Hey everyone, welcome back in to J2M's Jess Tumurfs talking sports. Man, have we been having fun the last few weeks talking with the coach, breaking down the last dance, reminiscing about 80s and 90s NBA. It has been so much fun. But as I mentioned last time, I am fresh out of talking about old games. I'm just, just don't have it in me anymore. And that's okay because live games are going to be in our future soon. I'm feeling the positivity. Like I said last time, first week of June, the commissioner, Adam Silver, he's going to come out with a plan where they're going to have live games, how they're going to do it, the dates for the playoffs later this summer. And we're going to be here to talk about it. It's going to be so much fun. But until then, it is time to throw out the curveball on the J2M podcast. Time for some more content. And everybody is so lucky because today we are debuting J2M's TV Land. That is right. I'm going to be joined by the Professor JT as we dive into the world of Breaking Bad, the Vince Gilligan universe. And we're going to rewatch Better Call Saul, which is actually a sequel to Breaking Bad, but it's really a prequel. And we'll get into that. But listen, we cannot start a TV segment of our podcast and not start out with the best written television series that's on right now. So... I hope you enjoy this discussion with Professor JT because we're gonna we're gonna break down season one, episode one of Better Call Saul. It's gonna be a blast. So, without further ado, let's go ahead. Let's grab the professor, Professor JT. You out there? I'm here. I'm out here in TV Land. TV Land. Oh, what are we gonna do? J2M's talking sports. All we've been doing is sports. 20 episodes. Can you believe that most of our episodes have been in quarantine with no live sports? But we've gotten it done, haven't we? I've been there every week listening attentively and, you know, the drama, the, the everything that you've been talking about has been amazing, but I'm just kind of done with it. When's sports coming back? Live sports are coming soon. We'll be back with that. But in the meantime, it's time for some new content on J2Ms and the professor we're going to bring the fire right now. We're going to really change this up like it's never been changed before because we're going to be talking about Breaking Bad and where that has taken us in our lives and now into Better Call Saul. Where do we start? Well, I think we need to start with the fact that it's a prequel. It's actually the, the events set are before Breaking Bad. But, you know, just to bridge the gap here, you know, what do we love about sports? We love the, the human drama, the characters, the things that are going on, what it all tells us about ourselves. And we get the same thing with TV. We get that drama. Breaking Bad has done it like no other. And now we have the prequel, which I'm pumped up that you're excited to finally watch. I've been trying to tell you to get on the Better Call Saul train. But why don't we start first with just talking a bit about what Breaking Bad is. Yeah, we, we got to let the listeners know. You're probably hearing right now, maybe close to the biggest Breaking Bad fans out there, love Vince Gilligan. It's all about Vince Gilligan, right? The creator of the show, Vince Gilligan, he's got his career started on X-Files as a writer, and he went off and did his own thing. 
he wow. got Brian Cranston to be the star, and he plays a chemistry teacher in high school, down on his luck, feeling like a bit of a failure. And what does he do when he needs money, low, low on feeling good about himself and ready to start a new what Well, he's a chemistry teacher, so he cooks meth. And, uh, you know, the cultural phenomenon started from there. And luckily, we get to uh, watch Better Call Saul. I just had a memory. I remember you calling me after watching the show saying, you got to watch this and told me the premise. Like cooking meth, dear. No, I'm out. I'm out. And once again, I didn't buy in at the beginning of that either, did I? Oh, my God. That's funny. That was so long ago now. But, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, it started late 2000s, probably 2008, I think, and wrapped up in 2014. So now we have one of the characters in Breaking Bad was a sleazy lawyer played by Bob Odenkirk. And he uh, was a hilarious character. Writer on SNL, right? Didn't he write on Saturday Night Live? Bob Odenkirk's been in the game for a long time. He started Mr. He's been Show. On, Mr. Show. He's been on Seinfeld. A lot of a lot of small bits, like character, actor kind of guy, a writer. And now finally he's getting his his due. But hold on. When you watch Breaking Bad, which amazing TV, you you finally sucked me in. And that's when streaming, I get I think, started, really. When binge kind of television took off. Yeah, Breaking Bad. It was sure. like season three or four. So that's when I think I started yeah. getting in. And then it just became amazing. But great TV characters. Like you said, Brian Cranston. You got uh, Aaron Paul, Jesse Pinkham, Pinkman. And then you got Saul Goodman. You think Saul Goodman? When you were watching Breaking Bad, did you think, man, I, if they could spin his character off in another show, I, I'm, I'm there. Right. Well, not, you know, it's. You think that it's just a joke character, but then you boil it down to what Breaking Bad is so good, what they're what it is all about. It's really the story of someone that is going from someone who's down on the luck, down on their luck, not feeling too good, and they become kind of a villain embracing their dark side. And it's kind of that anti-hero story that we've seen so many times these days. It's done no better than in Breaking Bad. You just even though, you know, you feel a little dirty watching it, but you can't help to relate to someone rebelling against the system and uh, going from the, the kind of good guy to the bad guy. And I think you see that in Better Call Saul as well. Can we just talk about why I'm, I am I have not gotten into Better Call Saul? Can we get sure. into that? Because I, I feel, again, back to Breaking Bad. You got me sucked in. The world got sucked in. I mean, was there a better show that from beginning to end ended perfectly? And yes, I love Vince Gilligan. Obviously, he made that. But I just wasn't ready to jump into a new project, even though it was tied into Breaking Bad. Um, but you were just ready to roll. You're like, oh, give me more now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, something that made Breaking Bad so good, it was like the pacing of the episodes. Very bingeable show. It just like keeps you locked in the plot, tightly moving, great scenes, amazing action. One episode going to the next. You just don't know what's going to go and happen. So many twists and turns. And then all of a sudden, or you get this show. And I think we should probably get into talking about the first episode of Better Call Saul, which is called Uno. We want to, mm. we're going to get into spoilers because we really want to get into the meat of the show. And uh, yeah, why don't we talk about like how it, how it opened up? It takes a second. It's black and white, but you know, you're in the future, like after Breaking Bad. This is right after Breaking Bad because he made the 
the point that he he was going to be a manager in a Cinnabon. I think he actually said that in Breaking Bad. Yeah, there was one of the one of the final episodes that where you see Saul, um, Saul Goodman and, and Better Call Saul. He makes it a one off joke, like, "Oh, I'll probably be in a Cinnabon in the Midwest." I forget the exact state he said, but you know, you know, in a funny kind of callback to that. We open up in black and white, and we see. Um, Saul Goodman at a Cinnabon and he looks, you know, right away, you're sucked right back into Vince Gilligan. Cause this guy is more detailed than I've ever seen the way they show the Cinnabon being exactly. made. I'm like, Oh my God, Vince Gilligan. He's back. So yeah. What did that remind you of that little sequence of the music where he's kind of making and preparing the Cinnabon? Oh, I don't know. Well, to me, I saw that. I immediately thought right away. Cause it was set to this really cool song. And I forgot the lyrics, but there was something about um, like address unknown. It's this cool kind of 50s doo-wop song. He's making his Cinnabon and it's, it requires all this equipment, multi-step process. And right away, it reminded me of these great montages that we saw in Breaking Bad of them cooking meth. Yeah, that that, that whole part was great. But you're still like, what, what's going on? And then he sees the guy staring at him and, and you can tell that he's still nervous right. about someone coming to, to take him out. And then they show him in his apartment. And it's like, what is he doing? Yeah, yeah. Put in a, a VHS tape oh, yeah. of his old Saul yeah. Goodman. Ad. And he sits down and he's watching his his old commercials, reliving the glory days. And the, going back to what he said, the Cinnabon, you can tell he's paranoid. He sees this guy, and then we see the guy walk past him, and he's greeting his family. So there's no one coming to look for him after all. So you see he's nervous. But I wanted to ask you when he Saul goes to his apartment and he's drinking uh, alcohol, that he mixes dram drambuie doers and, and i think a squirt from a plastic lemon like lemon juice do you know I think it's called like a dirty nail a dirty something. nail oh my god that's awesome I, I didn't look it up but uh i, yeah. I gotta have one of those next time i'm watching a better call saw i'll have to make a dirty nail that's great oh man yeah but yeah th- but then from there it goes right into a courtroom yep which you, they got to throw in right we got to see well now we know his new name we think it's Saul as they're showing. Actually, no, we don't even see him. It's just a courtroom. It's like, where is he? He's in the bathroom. Right. Well, I, I really, right away, what I noticed on the rewatch is, and I think this is why it's it was hard to go from uh, Breaking Bad to Better Call Saul. Right away after the intro, where we see uh, Jimmy McGill, Saul Goodman in the Cinnabon, it goes right into a courtroom. So really the first scene of the show and it's very slow. It's completely silent. And we're just waiting. People are tapping their fingers on the desk. And it's slow. It's, it's drawn out. And it's, it's yeah. setting the tone. This is a different show. Yeah. This isn't the fast-paced show that we knew in Breaking Bad. And right away, you have to right. adjust your expectations. You got to sit down and stay for a while. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bit. But then then it gets right into it. Right. Like, with that whole courtroom. T- t- I was like, what are these teenagers? He's saying this great speech about... The, the teenagers that he's defending, these three kids. Right. And then and then it gets all awkward and weird because they put this videotape in showing what they did. And it's like, whoa. Right. <laughs> so that's a breaking bad moment right there. Well, these, he's defending these three 19-year-olds, gives an impassioned speech, and we see that he's just, you know, he's good at what he does. We see a glimmer of what we saw from uh, Saul Goodman and Breaking Bad. But then all of a sudden, the, the uh, other lawyer, all he had to do was play a videotape, and that was all it took. <laughs> That was very disturbing. But uh, yeah, we want to keep we want to keep it PC on the. On, I, know, on the yeah. well. I was wondering. We don't need to get into the details. There. Yeah, the, the the nineteen year olds were were what they did were was completely indefensible. It was a very graphic and 
uh, you know, disturbing crime. But it, it, it tells us that, you know, Jimmy McGill is willing to, to defend anybody. That's right. They only gave him 700 bucks. <laughs> He's like, no, it's $700 a kid. <laughs> That's funny. How about this? I'm, I'm going to probably stump you with this, man. So sorry if I do. After the, uh, the trial, he goes out. And remember, he drove like a big white Cadillac or something. Like oh, 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 oh. Paul Goodman. Well, he, he jumps in his car, car, which is an integral part of the episode, I would say. His car is very important. Yeah, I mean, Do you know what his car, what, what make and model his car is? Uh, I wrote it down. What is the car called? Suzuki Esteem. The Suzuki Esteem. Yeah, the Esteem. See, I didn't know the, the, the brand of the car, but I knew the make. I saw the esteem and I thought that was an interesting choice and it's bright yellow and the door is brown. Only Vince Gilligan. They don't even exist anymore. Okay. I did the research on it. <laughs> There's no more Suzuki's. Like they went out of business in 2012. It's such like a, a time period. Like again, he just has all the detail on this stuff, man. Crazy. Yeah. So um, yeah, his car is a big part of it. We see it's not, it's a little worn for the wear. There's not a lot of veneer on it. It's, you know, he's willing to drive around. He's willing to defend anyone. He's willing to drive in anything. And then he gets in the car and then probably one of our favorite scenes of the episode, because we love this guy. Who does he bump into on the way out of the garage at the toll booth? Oh, well, we, yeah. We get introduced to Mike here and Mike is not the, oh, he's Mike. not the enforcer we knew with uh, Gus Fring and Breaking Bad. He's just a, he's at a parking garage for the, for the, for the jailhouse or for the uh, courtroom, right, excuse me. Right. But uh, yeah, it's a little exchange. Yeah. And, but, you know, what was going on in that scene is uh, Jimmy was very mad at Mike because he couldn't talk his way out of the situation. He didn't pay. He, he didn't follow the rules. He wanted to park for free. He was trying to talk his way out of it. And Mike was just like, nope, it ain't happening. And Jimmy had a little tantrum. And we see right away, like, he's willing to kind of, if he doesn't get his way, he has to throw a little fit. And then he shows up and we feel like we're back in Breaking Bad because he walks into a nail salon. Wasn't that his office? And Breaking Bad was in the, the, the back of a nail salon. Yeah, like right away we're kind of seeing like after the courtroom, like he's a public defender. And then after that, we kind of see he's trying to do his own thing. It's Jimmy McGill. He's got this little law practice and it's in the back of this Asian nail salon in the end of the, the utility closet. And, and we're confused because we're still feeling Saul. That's what we know here. Right. We know Saul, but we're meeting this Jimmy guy. What's going on? And then the, he does this crazy thing. He, he gets a check. We're like, okay, he's, he's got a bad car, $700 at the courthouse. He's not making any money, but he just got a check for 26 grand. He's doing okay. And he rips it up. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. That was the moment you can tell it's more than just money, even though he's down on his luck and he needs money. Well, he had this $26,000 check and he ripped it up. So clearly, he cares a little bit more about his himself. He's got something else going on other than money. Oh, wait a second. I blew it. I blew it, man. It was a huge scene before the nails. Yeah, started. I was going to say, like, after the quarter. Oh, that was like, dude, that was, it was a jarring part of the episode. I'm sick because I'm all like, like you said, you got to be focused. You got to settle in. It's going to be slower. It's not going to be fast paced like Breaking Bad. So I, I'm in. I'm all relaxed. And then, boom. <laughs> Someone hits his windshield when he's driving down oh, the road. It's like, oh my God, what was that? And it's like these skater kids. And it was, I didn't know what was going on there. Yeah, these skater kids that he hits one of them and all. He runs out of the car and these kids are like, you hurt me, man. You hurt me, man. But Jimmy knows uh, a con job when he sees one and he calls him on it. And, uh, you know, basically these kids are trying to scam him out of money and they, they can't do it to Jimmy. 
Another Saul Goodman moment. Absolutely. I was going to say on time frame on this, because Breaking Bad, I think, I believe it, it, the events of Breaking Bad are somewhere between 2008 and 2010. So this is before Breaking Bad. And I noticed right. on the television screen in the courtroom, defended, and they're 19, and you'd have to imagine they committed the crime fairly recently. And on the TV from the evidence, it says October 13th, 2001. Oh, you saw it. It was date. on the TV screen. It said October 13th. Oh, the videotape. Yeah, so the, which oh. is the evidence in the, the trial in the beginning. So, Wow, that seems about right. Yeah, I think you're right. If Breaking Bad was truly 2008 time frame, yeah. this being six or seven years before, that seems about right. I mean, he doesn't quite have the comb over that Saul. Right, he's got more of a full head of hair. <laughs> he rips up the check, right? right. Then we're like, what's going on? He gets back in his crazy Suzuki car. And then he goes to this law firm, his big law firm. It says, uh, Hamlin, Hamlin, and McGill. Like, oh, he's part of a law firm. Like, why is he in the back of a nail salon? I see his name on the wall. It says McGill. And then he's like, oh, let me go in here. And he goes into a conference room. And all of a sudden, he's got all this confidence, like yelling at these people. That was weird. Yeah, that was interesting. Like, because we see him sort of like, you know, uh, kind of insecure and not feeling like the, not behaving like the Saul that we know. And then as soon as he enters the boardroom at HHM, we see him really get into his theatrics, quoting the lines of dialogue from the movie Network. And Whoa, whoa, the whole thing. Uh, Well, he, that's what that movie was from. And he even said that at the end. Wait, wait, uh, the movie network, but hold on. Movie network. I said, whoa, what, what, (laughs) bring me into the movie network. Movie network is a movie that took place in the seventies. It's about a TV anchor that becomes disenfranchised with his job because of TV and the way society's going. There's a classic quote from that movie. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. So it's a, it won a lot of awards in the time. Oh, that's right. He did say that in that scene at the yeah. end. He goes, haven't you seen the network? As he right, because so he came in, there's a scene when the, the the news anchor guy is basically in the movie. He starts going off scripts, saying his own thing. And he goes into a boardroom with this mysterious CEO guy who's like, you have meddled with the forces of nature. It's a very famous scene. Have you actually seen this movie? I actually have, yeah. Whoa, okay. You've seen the, the, the scene. <laughs> Wow. Did you know that in the time, in the time that you're watching this? Like, wow. I, really? Well, wow. A, That's pretty amazing. We're in the elevator. So Jimmy, to go to HHM, he first arrives at the parking garage, takes the elevator up. And before he gets in the elevator, we see another Easter egg callback to Breaking Bad. The dented the can? Dented can. Do you know what that's in reference to? Oh, because we see some, I don't know exactly the scene, but you're right. There was a lot of things in Breaking Bad where we see something and you're like, what is that? Or, or you kind of... You remember it, and then we find out later why well, it happened. Or, I'll or, tell you. So, right. like, so I don't remember in season one or two in Breaking Bad when he goes to the doctor because he didn't get cancer. He didn't have cancer until I think it's the first season. They go to the doctor. He, I thought we weren't doing spoilers, but it's impossible. Well, well, we have actually, to go back to Breaking this Bad. isn't really too much of a spoiler because it happened so early on. But he uh, he gets the cancer diagnosis, goes to the bathroom in the hospital, and he's very calm and he's despondent. He doesn't react to the cancer diagnosis. He washes his hands. He looks in the reflection of the towel dispenser. It's metal, and he gets pissed, and he punches it, and he dents it. Right. And it's that same right. kind of metallic metal um, kind of stuff that garbage wow. out of. So it was a callback to that. See? What did I say about the biggest Breaking Bad fans? I mean, who knows detail like that? 
Wow, that's incredible. But it's interesting because for, for the most important thing is forget about the Easter egg. It's what is it? What do those things tell us about the character? And I think for Jimmy, it's that he just like Walt, he's willing to take his anger out on inanimate objects. He's willing to have those moments where he just says "f it" and he hits something. Was the only reason? Well, it was a combination. He kicked it because he doesn't like these guys. He kicked it because they stole his client. There was an earlier scene where he tried to get a client and they didn't, the, the wife was like, now we're out of here. And then the same wife and husband are down there as he's walking out. Right. So like, yeah, that was after the courthouse. We see him kind of meet briefly with this kind of wholesome looking couple. And we don't know what's going on there yet, but he's trying to court them and get them as clients. Oh, we had a Saul moment there though. At the end when, when he saw it going sideways, because they didn't sign. He's like, Oh, we're going to take it overnight. And then he hands the husband or he tries to, not a business card, a matchbook. Yeah, a matchbook. Yeah, it's a sleazy. Like I said, it's very sleazy right. to have a matchbook. <laughs> That's like very dated too. Well, there's two characters. Two characters get introduced at Ham- Hamlin, Hamlin, and Miguel, HHM. When Saul goes into the courtroom and he basically says, the check we find out is it was delivered to him by... It was handed to him by the guys yelling at Hamlin. Hamlin. So Hamlin, uh, we we meet him. His name's Howard Hamlin. And we we meet this character. And we also meet, sitting next to him, is uh, Kimmy Wexler. So these are two major characters that we, like, you know, meet. And they're throughout the whole show. And uh, we see right away that... that Jimmy is does is very angry or is Jimmy is a grandstanding for Howard. And he says that money Chuck doesn't need it. So we hear a reference to Chuck and we find that Chuck is um, Jimmy's brother and Chuck is no longer at HHM. So the M is for McGill. Jimmy is a McGill, but uh, he's the brother of Chuck McGill. And, and all they're talking about how this Chuck can't get into the office anymore you know, and, and it's just so, you know, you got to give him his money. You got to cash him out. It's like, no, he's still working. It's like, what are they talking about? What's wrong? What's wrong with this Chuck? Yeah. Well, we, Why is he in the office? I know. And right away we see, because we think, because Jimmy's the hero of the show, we think that Jimmy's intentions are good, but, but right away it's something's off because he's like, I want the, to liquidate his whole shares of the company. But, the, but Howard says, oh, no, I'm willing to pay for him as long as I need. So we actually, it seems like a pretty good deal. And Howard doesn't necessarily seem like a bad guy right from the beginning. And then he heads over to what we think is his house to go home for the night. Well, before, before then, we get into that. Um, yeah. So before he leaves, after he takes his anger out in that garbage can by the oh, right. we see the introduction of Kimmy Wexler, the main female. That was a good scene because the scene before up in the conference room, she just looks like another. Yeah, partner. we don't even know. Like someone he's yelling at, like he's yelling at all of them, and then suddenly this girl appears, and they share a cigarette. Right. It's like, whoa, wait! I thought they didn't like each other. She's she's sitting like she had no lines of dialogue up in the boardroom, and then all of a sudden we see her revealed, kind of in a really cool way, mysteriously yeah. smoking a cigarette. Yeah. So right away, and then Jimmy takes a cigarette. I feel like that was a little symbolic there, like you know, people. It's almost like the smoking man. From X Files, I don't know. Whoa! It was in the similar Vince, Vince Gilligan, Gilligan the all the way back. So man. It seems similar in that way. Like you know, what does that represent? The smoking person, in this case, the smoking woman. There's some mystery there. So the act of smoking is a little dangerous. And Jimmy takes the cigarette. It's kind of like he's there's a connection there. That was a good thing. Maybe right away, you can tell there's a connection, and the connection seems to be not playing by the rules. Oh, a little salt. So yeah, so then then he gets in his car, the the Suzuki again, and heads over. Looks to to go to his own house, 
But no, this is Chuck's house, I guess. Yeah, that's Chuck's house. Wait a second. That's the dude from Laverne and Shirley. Oh, oh, yeah, Michael McKeon. Squiggy. Laverne. Yeah, that was his. I just date myself? Yes, no, Michael McKeon. <laughs> Uh, he's a famed actor, been been in the game for a long time. Squiggy. I don't didn't know him from that. I, what did I know? Oh, Who yeah. do you think I knew him first from? Oh man, I have no idea. I just know him from Laverne and Shirley. It's What's wrong? Final Tap. Of course. Ah. It, it's funny that came out in '84. He was like kind of a, you know, as a young guy, played a rock and roll dude, yes. metalhead, and he's great movie. And he's like all like fit and like this kind of. You know, spoof character, and now he's like old man status. Man, we might have to do a pod on Spinal Tap. Anyway. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> Rewatchables. Yeah, well, tell me what you thought about when. Um, so when Jimmy goes to Chuck's house right away, we see he puts his phone, his watch, like something else that's electronic in the mailbox. He goes in the house. There's no light so on. Weird. Tell me what you thought about that. Yeah, just bizarre. I'm like, what's going on? You're just trying to figure out. You know, there's something wrong with this Chuck guy. We just learned that the the law firm, but this is like what? I mean, and, and I don't know if they were showing the aluminum foil yet. Um, I can't remember in this episode, but yeah, the whole thing was just bizarre. He doesn't break it out yet. The the meeting that he had with uh, Chuck, Chuck actually, even though he's clearly there's something wrong with him. I mean, he can't even have the lights on. It right away, it's alluding to the fact that he has a phobia over what's called electromagnetic frequencies. It's actually a real thing. Electromagnetic frequencies are emitted from like, you know, the microwave or things that are electronic, like your phone. This there's even in the news. Now people, there's conspiracy theories about 5g, but it's, it is a real scientific phenomenon, whether or not it affects us in an unsafe way is a different thing, but he's developed a phobia about it. But at his home, he's just as happy as could be. And he's not anxious or, worried at all it's like he has the power over jimmy we see right away he's calmer than jimmy. right he's and we don't know if he's just like his dad his brother obviously it's his brother but he almost comes across like it's his dad yeah yeah totally yeah he's like a little bit of a patriarch yeah but he he wasn't uh too happy with jimmy because jimmy want, is telling him right there you gotta sell out you gotta sell out like he was saying at the law firm and he's like no i want to work for these guys i'm gonna get better i'm gonna get out of here i'm going back he's getting all mad yeah, well, you know, Chuck says, oh, you want, he alludes to him suspecting that he wants a quick payday. And I was thinking that too, but, you know, on rewatching this, I was thinking, well, he does seem like legitimately worried for Chuck. I mean, Chuck does, there's clearly something going on here. And, you know, he's right. bringing over groceries, putting them in a cooler with ice. Yeah, that was, that, that was a good scene because, you know, like you said, introducing two major characters for the show, Kim and now Chuck. The thing about Chuck that's interesting as a character right away is we see different, they're brothers, but Jimmy, as we've seen before, and in Breaking Bad as a sleazy guy, Chuck is right away, he seems like a man of honor, a man of principle. You know, he's standing there with his highfalutin education in his office, and he seems very moral. Well, obviously, Jimmy storms off, grabs all his stuff out of the mailbox that he put in there. But was the next scene when he went back to the skaters? Was it right after that? Are we getting right into slipping Jimmy? I, yeah, point? I believe so. I think like we get to a skate park and all of a sudden Jimmy's arrived and he's, and he's kind of found these two skaters and he's and he's propositioning them on, on a plan. That he- slipping Jimmy, another another uh, look into the future, right? Well, slipping Jimmy. Well, he, slipping Jimmy, he tells the story to the, the, the skaters about 
Well, in fact, in his past, he had done something similar when he was known as Slippin' Jimmy. So he knew what the scheme was. And really what the scheme is, is you could do it right now if you wanted. And I'm sure people do it all the time where you walk in front of the, the in the street, in the crosswalk, do, do, do. You act like you're not paying attention. And the car comes and you pretend to get hit and then you try to extort money out of them. Which he did in the earlier uh, part of this episode. And that's when he called them out. He's like, guys, no, no, it doesn't work on me. I'm slipping Jimmy. So they talk about that. But then they decide he hires these guys on a job to get get back at the people that uh, didn't hire him for his services and went to Hamlin, Hamlin and McGill. The couple. Right. We see the couple that we wanted that he was trying to get to sign with them at HHM. And that's why I ended up kicking the can. And now he wants revenge. But you know what was, <laughs> you know what was interesting uh, in the, the conversation when he was talking about his days of slipping Jimmy? He had mentioned this was back in Cicero, was it Cicero, Illinois, I think. Oh, right. Cicero. Uh, Cicero. I think that's, all, you know, yeah, Cicero, Illinois County. Right. So uh, that's, I guess, where. Because that's, that's where he's originally from, I guess. I think that's where he's, he's, I think that would be where he's originally from. How do you go from Cicero <laughs> to, where is it? Uh, Cicero, Illinois, you said? Illinois, yep. To New Mexico, to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah, that's an important part of the show, too, is, you know, it takes place in New Mexico. I think that's a big part of the universe of Breaking Bad. Oh, my gosh. I think Vince Gilligan is from there. It's probably. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. But, yeah, he, he hires these guys. They do. They obviously don't do too good of a job, though, because they ended up getting some Spanish lady. That was weird. It's like, what? Yeah, they didn't they didn't show it when the you know the kids do a great job. I mean, he smashed the windshield and the whole deal, and the woman hits and runs. Didn't expect that, but then we realize it's some you know it's a Mexican woman, and she goes into her home. And this is something I forgot. This part is what is I think going to suck me back in, and I'm going all the way to the end because it, it just grabbed me. It's the beauty of his shows. Yeah, like when the episode ends, you don't want to stop. You want to go right to the next episode. I didn't because we we're going to talk about just this one, but they show a guy that I love from Breaking Bad at the very end. Who opens the door? And that person Tuco. was Tuco. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That guy was an awesome ding, 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 ding. That's his uncle, right? The ding, ding. Oh, well, yeah. Tuco's the, you know, meth snorting, you know, a gang member, Mexican cartel member that's, you know, uh, completely insane and unhinged and at any given moment could lash out in a random act of violence. It is interesting, though, because you start off right away in this episode feeling like you're still in Breaking Bad, just like a future version of it with Saul. And then, boom, we go back in time, and now you're in a different show. Like you said, it's just a different tone. But then it ends the episode where you're like back into Breaking Bad again. Yeah, it's cool. Like right away you see like, you know, in the beginning, you're not really getting a lot of characters. You know, a lot of this stuff is new. You kind of got to work for it. It's a slow burn. But then at the end, you get the payoff and you get Tuco from Breaking Bad. So I got to see if I can keep it going, man, because I, I, I've i already done season one. So I'll rewatch it and I'm sure I'll love it. But I got to be honest, now that I'm back in this world and it's been a while that I've seen Breaking Bad, I'm, I'm ready to fast forward and get him close to when he turns us all again. But one step at a time, right? I guess I have to enjoy the journey. Watching it the first time, that was kind of one of the hard parts is kind of wanting it to slip into breaking bad land and you just have to accept it's a different show and that 
this has to happen in its own way and that you, you get the Easter eggs and the good stuff, but it's its own thing. If you, th if you want Breaking Bad, the same pace, it's not the show for you. If you want something similar, if you want the same characters, Vince Gilligan doing his thing, storytelling, good dialogue, this is a great show. Well, I want to thank you personally because you've been talking Better Call Saul with me for like the last three or four years. Better Call Saul, Better Call Saul. I'm like, whatever, dude. You and your Better Call Saul. And then we decided to do this podcast on it and it forced me into it. And I want to say thank you again. J2M's coming through for us because I, I, I'm in, man. I really am. I'm not just saying this for the podcast. I, I was shocked. I really was. I turned it on last night like, yeah, we'll see. Boom. Sucked right back into that world. And Let's see if I see. I'm not much of a binge. I get. A, I'm, I'm one of those people that doesn't binge. That's a problem, and I'm going to have to binge to catch up. But I'll do my best. Yeah, I think you know part of the getting prepared for this podcast. I was sitting down and paying attention, probably better than I was the first time. So it really was. It's a it's a show that rewards that type of watching when you're really paying attention. Yeah. Here's an idea because we got we got time on our hands, right? No no live sports. They're coming. They're coming. They got a plan, but we're not there now. And we have the time. So how about this? How about we continue to watch it? And we can't just break down every episode, I don't think. But maybe as we go along this first season, because obviously this is an epic episode. It's the first one. It's Uno. But now that we move along, maybe we, we pick a good one as we hit. Like, oh, man, we got to talk about this. And just hit on the, the good ones along the way. Just just throwing out an idea. I was thinking maybe like one at a time is way too slow, but maybe like two or three at a time. Ah, that's a good idea. But also, um, I just want to note that the important part of a show sometimes too is like each episode you'll get a different director or a different writer. And in this, the right. first episode, we have uh, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould both involved in the writing. And Peter Gould is really the showrunner of, of Better Call Saul. So Vince Gilligan's the producer and creator, and he's really involved. But it's Peter Gould, who was a writer on Breaking Bad, that is the, is it? Oh, that's a good tidbit right there, Professor JT. Yeah, so that's actually really amazing because I'm sitting here throwing out Vince Gilligan bouquets this entire podcast. Well, he did direct this episode, and he did create the show, and he is the producer. But the the series here is is a Peter Gould uh, directed or or created. You know, he's the showrunner. He's the real. Uh, force behind Better Call Saul. Hence, hence the tone being a bit different. Yeah, and he actually wrote some really famous Breaking Bad episodes, including the one where Saul was introduced. And the name of that episode was Better Call Saul. Have you ever seen a better written show than Breaking Bad? I mean, I know you love Better Call Saul, but is is this like number two to you? No, I'd say I have seen shows like when you get to greatness, there's only things that are equal. This is probably my favorite. But I, I think Mad Men's up there. Sopranos is up there. Off the top of my head, those two shows I think are great. But in a different way, there's something so neat and tidy and perfect about the way the show is set up. There's no bad episodes. It all just fits together nice and neatly. And that makes that feels really satisfying. Again, I think my issue was I was so complete after Breaking Bad. It was such an experience for me that I was good for a couple of years. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm just, I don't need any more programming. But we're not in that situation right now. I need more programming. And I'm back in the Breaking Bad universe all on its own. But this is going to be fun. I don't think I, mean, I don't think binging the show is a, is a good idea just because. <laughs> no, calm down. Yeah, don't get too excited. Because, the, like, to your point, this show, 
there is so many little details put in there. There are so many little random characters. Are you saying I can just watch one a week? You could. Well, I'd say that, you know, you don't want to binge the whole season or half a season. I'd say keeping it to a low amount in a, in a period of time is good because there's these you could miss those details. You could miss those connections and those references and characters from Breaking Bad that you haven't you haven't seen in a while and you kind of forget. When I put it on, that was my other thing I was I was nervous about. You only have a certain amount of time. Like, oh, how long is an episode? Oh, it's an hour. That was the quickest hour of television. I don't even think it was an hour. So this is like the perfect amount of time. Just know that you're focused when you're going to watch it. That's the key. When you're going, going to go in on this, you got to be there. Yeah. Just all in on there. Put your phone so, down. Put your phone down. I'm, I, I think I can maybe do two a week. Yeah, two a week. Right? That sounds like a good a good uh, amount at a time. Cool. And you want to get back on here and talk about it, right? I'm down. I got nothing Dude, why not? Dude, I'm in my I'm in my quarantine here. I got my yeah. my eight by eight cubic apartment. Let's just talk some Jimmy McGill. It's all good, man. Well, hey, Professor JT, appreciate the time. This was awesome. Listeners out there, I know it was different. Hope you liked it because we're going to bring you a lot more, a lot more curveballs here. So appreciate the time, man. Well, and those were my calculations submitted for peer review. Until next time, goodbye. Well, there you go. We're off and running with our first episode of TV Land. And the Professor JT and I will be back to discuss episodes two and three of season one of Better Call Saul. And we'll see. We'll see where this takes us, right? And for all you sports fans out there, like I said, the NBA playoffs later this summer, everybody just put it out there. It's going to happen. We'll be back here to talk about it. But even when sports comes back, who says we can't keep on talking about TV shows, right? We can do what we want in this podcast. We're not limited, right? So, but hey, listen, I, I appreciate the support. Don't forget to subscribe to the Just Two Mervs podcast on the player of your choice out there. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week. But until then, J2Ms, we're out. We're out.